Our culture is going through some crazy things. Our church then also is going through crazy things. We've been in a revival series for several weeks, and we come to today where I think we need to make a shift. How many is ready to make a shift? Next week we'll talk to you more about um, the Pentecostal revival, but there's something that I think is 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 important to insert into a church. The church needs to be a praising people. A Pentecostal people is a praising people, not just a praying people. If my people called by name by my name will humble themselves in praying, we are a praying people. But how many know prayer uh, is one thing? Praise is another step, another level of prayer. Takes you into another atmosphere, takes you into another place. How many believe that God's called us to be two dimensional? If all we are is in this world alone, then there's not really much to sing about. But how many know there's another world that we are tapping into today? The spiritual world. And praise and worship is warfare. Spiritual warfare. So if you have your notes today, your notepad, your pen, we hope that you, that you start. We want to understand the warfare of praise. Praise is not just singing. Now, I've pastored long enough to know that everybody has their preference. And I've been in uh, services where always sing is a hymn. You ought to see the senior adults <laughs> weeping, crying, lifting their hands. Why? Not so much that it maybe we're talking to God, but we're singing the song they like. And I've seen young people, too, in youth conventions, before they hit the first note on the guitar, their hands are lifted in the air. It's the atmosphere that got them to be, uh, and never even sang a note, never sang a song. They don't even worry about the song. They're just <laughs> shouting, screaming, jumping, jumping. I mean, you have to have, you have to have, uh, take some medicine to be able to, to keep up with the worship of these, these, these days. Like they've been wormed. They need to be dewormed. I'm just telling you, worship and praise is not according to your preference of music. It's more than music. I need an amen. Worship and praise is more than music. Although music is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible, over 200 times it's mentioned singing to the Lord. Singing to the Lord. Singing praises. And Colossians 3.16 said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And look at this. Look at this, how God brings the generations together. In psalms and hymns, he included every generation, folks. You can get sour or you can get happy, but we're about to let you have it. I think one of the things this morning that we want to deal with is revival is not based upon your personal preference. Revival is based upon your personal desire to sing praises to God. No matter what we play up here, you ought to come in with praise in your heart. We come offering a sacrifice of praise, not bulls and goats. Hebrews says we offer the fruit of our lips a sacrifice of praise. Say, Pastor, it's not easy to praise in this generation. I understand that, and that's what we're going to talk about. But we're going to break through. How many know it's time for a breakthrough? It's time for you to get out of your own specific sphere of influence or preference and style and get into opening your mouth and praising the Lord on the harp or the drums, or the guitar. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Amen. Thank you, honey. I appreciate you amening me this morning. With hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing with grace. I'll tell you what, if you want to shut a revival down, shut down the singing. Shut down the worship. Shut down the praise. 
It's hard enough to sing, to get up here and preach after worship, much less just getting up here without worship. Like pulling molars. You're staring at me this morning. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, wake up. The man's trying to teach to us. Preach to us. Say, I'm tired. Hey, you can't be as tired as I am chasing them little babies all week. So. Music is mentioned, like I said, over 800 times, 200 times instructs us to come into my presence with singing. Singing to God is more than an act of worship. It's an act of obedience. We came here to offer the Lord praise. How many thinks he deserves it? Come on, how many thinks the Lord deserves our praise? How many thinks he desires our praise? Well, I got to tell you, it goes a little further. He demands our praise. He is God and there is no other. And it seems to me that we give a lot of time and attention to whatever we want. But it's the Lord's day, and it's time for us to kick in to praise. Amen? And so I want to open the message with Psalm 137 and uh, help us to understand this first lesson in the series. Pick up your harps and sing again. Israelites stopped singing. And in this culture, COVID, pressures, racial tensions, and all kinds of political things, people almost just have, Satan has, has seemingly won the battle. Shut the people down. Separate them from their homes. Shut their mouths and don't let them get to the sanctuary. Don't let them praise the Lord in the house of the Lord. Don't let them get the word of God in the house of the Lord. How I many know he is doing his dead level best to demoralize the church? Trying to desensitize the church to change their reference in their mind from setting their affections on things above to setting their eyes and affections on things below. And you'll never have a revival if your heart is always on this things around you here and not in the second dimension. So Psalm 137, 1 through 4, I want you to look at that by the rivers of Babylon. Remember, they were in captivity. The we, we captives sat down and wept. That's what our culture is doing. They're sitting down crying, put their thumb in their mouth. When we remember Zion, the city God imprinted on our hearts. On the willow trees in the midst of Babylon, we hung our harps. For there, they, they who took us captive demanded for us a song with words. And our tormentors who made a mockery of us demanded amusement, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. What they're saying is, hey, they're making fun. Nebuchadnezzar's making fun of the people of God. Saying, hey, why are you so sad? Where's your God now? I mean, the world is going through what the same thing the church is going through. But the church ought to react differently than the world. I mean, God didn't call the church to sit down and cry about it. God called the church to rise up and sing about it. But this is what's going on, making a mockery of the church. How can we sing, they said, the Lord's song in a strange and foreign land? That was the question from the Israelites. Went over to the brook. Some scholars, as I studied this, they said, well, it wasn't really a willow tree. I don't care what kind of a tree it was. I know it wasn't an oak tree because we are. We're going to stay by the brook. Amen. And we're going to sing. We're going to keep our harps in hand. I said, oh, girl, if we tend to have revival. We better keep on singing. Praises to our God. You hang up your harp. You give up hope. You'll never see revival in the land. But that's the culture. And I wanted to pick this today because they're, they're very depressed, demoralized. If you know anything about the, the setting here, give you just a little bit of foundation. Nebuchadnezzar was taking Israel. He'd already taken Judah. And now he's taking and he's and he's marching them out of their land, their home. 
and he's marching them over dead bodies. They're just crossing dead bodies, relatives, friends, people he killed along the way in battle. And they're watching this. He's wanting them to. He'd already taken a lesson from Pharaoh. And Nebuchadnezzar said, not on my watch. I'm going to take this bunch of Israelites. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to demoralize them. I'm going to desensitize them. I'm going to make them so low that they'll hang their harps. And so he brings them all the way into captivity. And there they can't go to the synagogue and they can't go to church and they can't sing. I mean, the devil is trying to pull the same stunts today, trying to separate us, trying to sit us down, make us sad. There's every reason in the world for us to keep a smile on our face and a song in our heart and joy in our step. I mean, we are the people of God. We should be singing and rejoicing and making melody joy in our hearts unto the Lord, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. How shall we sing these sin? So our topic is the first in a series of spiritual warfare. And I believe that one of the weapons of our warfare is praise and worship. Praise and worship. It's all it's it's tied into the sword. Amen. The praise shall be on their lips and a sword in their hands. It's correlation between what you praise and, and the battle that's on the on the field. What you're going through has to you have to praise your way through it. I said, how I many know you, you God's got a I preached a message on praise in the pandemic. Remember that back last year sometimes. And so here we are. Seemingly on the other side of a pandemic that keeps wanting to lift its ugly head. But how many know the pandemic will end, but God's grace will never end. We'll sing until we get to the heavens. We will sing with joy in our hearts till the very end. So some of the things the enemy is trying to do to hinder us from God's best. And God's people have become, oh man, (laughs) desensitized. They're transforming their mind by the depression. People are having a struggle mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just just in every way, finances and, and this and that. And everything you can think about, running them down, wearing out the saints of God until they give up and hang up their harps in the willow trees. That's our topic for today, and I hope you can catch this. Praise is our weapon against the enemy. Somebody shout amen. And let the high praises of God be on our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. It's a picture here of some people who, when conditions change and surroundings change, circumstances change, they were overtaken by the enemy. They hung their harps in the willows. I believe there were willows. According to the scholars, there might not have been willows. I believe at the time the scripture read it, willows were very predominant in Babylon. Maybe not there today, but at the time they were there. You know what a weeping willow is, a long, wispy tree that just hangs out by the water side, needs lots of water. And they hung their, they hung their harps there. Notice that they never threw their harps away. They just laid them up in the willows. Some people don't want to throw their Christian away. They just want, they don't want to carry it around with them every day. See, the thing about being a Christian is it's daily. I mean, if Christianity was once a week, how many know anybody could do that? But how many know the Lord said, pick up your cross daily and follow me? You got to sing every day. You can't sing once a week. You can't sing when your favorite song comes up. I appreciate Chrissy the way she blends our generations and Blessed Assurance and and uh, and the other new song, you know, Graves into Gardens. Wow. You talk about a bipolar of selection. That's just trying to get everybody to sing. But no matter what she sang, nobody sang. Not according to my ears. I am deaf in one ear, but I didn't hear anything. 
We've come to the house of God to sing praises to God. You can sing in your, in your own private place by yourself and whisper yourself to sleep. But how many know when we come to God's house, we've got to open our mouth and praise the Lord? Why? We've got to open it up loud enough for the world to hear, the devil to hear, and for you to hear. For what you hear in your ear has an emotion set up in your spirit. And what you have in your spirit will help your feet walk straight into victory. It matters what you listen to. And you can sing. I know some of you sing in hillbilly music. You turn on the old banjo and you just go to town. And in your car you sing to the top of your lungs. In the shower you sing to the top of your lungs. But in the church pew, can't barely hear you. What is the deal with that? Well, I don't want to be embarrassed. Too late. You should be embarrassed that you didn't sing to the Lord. How many of the devil's got right to where he wants you? Hanging your harp on the willows. Is somebody going to help preacher preach? So, I laid the foundation. We're understanding what's going on. And I see a very modern picture of a lot of Christians today. When conditions change, they hang up their harp and praise. The enemy mocks and says, sing that joy song now. Why aren't you singing now? Is that all it takes is a pandemic to shut you down? Is that all it takes is a call from the doctor to shut you down? Is that all it takes is a financial crisis to shut your song down? That's what Satan's saying. But I say the devil is a liar. Say, oh, I just couldn't sing now. But when my deliverance comes, pastor, I'll be singing. How I many know oh, that's backwards? You got to sing now and the Lord will bring you deliverance. You look throughout the Old Testament. The walls of Jericho didn't come down and then they praised the Lord. They praised the Lord. Then the walls fell down. And in First Chronicles, Jehoshaphat was the king. They put the singers and the harp players and the trumpeters in the front. And when they started going, then the victory was won. You got to sing first. This is not today to be sad. You don't walk into the presence of the king with a sad countenance. Don't you remember Esther? That's the reason that was such a fearful thing in her life. The king had a scepter. If somebody walked in the presence of the king with a sad countenance, pronouncement of death on them. So Esther was taking her life into her own hands. Humbly walking into the presence of the king. Not with a downtrodden, sad, depressed spirit. How are you going to have a revival with that? But we walk into the house of the Lord. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You walk into the house of the Lord with your, with your head held high, a smile on your face, spring in your step. My God is God and there is no other. I said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. Through God to the pulling down of, of strongholds. I believe there's a stronghold on the church, a stranglehold, a chokehold. A sleeper hold, if you please, to shut their tongue down. If I can shut your tongue down, is anybody getting any of this? So, so, so God bless me and I'll praise him. Then I'll get my harp out of the tree. No, no, no. You begin to praise God now and the blessing will come. Amen. So it doesn't take unfavorable conditions or hard persecution for some of us to hang the harp on the willow. Just, it just takes different surroundings. Change your condition. I mean, just real quickly, I don't feel like praise the Lord. Can I tell you? Your feelings have nothing to do with this. Praise and worship is not an emotional experience. Now, a pastor gets emotional because I got a, a powerful God. When I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, I can't help but sing. Amen? I said, I said he's for me and not against me. It makes me want to shout. 
Makes me want to praise. Makes me want to lift my hands. If you can think about all the things that God has done for you. I just finished telling you. He brought me from here to Orlando and back. That's enough to praise the Lord about. we got to praise him now. You don't wait till the deliverance comes and then praise the Lord. And the music may not even start. I've seen revival with no music at all. Because you are the temple of the living God. You are. And the praise is in you. I said the praise is in you. The spirit of God is in you. Amen. And you just lift up a praise to the Lord. You can lift it up in your own time with the Lord. You can praise him in your prayer time. You can praise him anytime. David said, <laughs> I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the Lord's house. He said, I was young and I, now I'm old. Come on, both generations. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. He said, I will bless the Lord at when? At all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So praises and worship is not something you turn off and turn on. You turn it on when you come to church. Turn it off when you leave. That's part-time Christianity. So let me just say uh, just a couple of minutes here. Why is it so hard then? The presence of the Lord shouldn't be hard, right? Praise is is a secret weapon to get in the presence of the Lord. The praise of God in my mouth is a two-edged sword in my hand. So I told you it's mentioned 800 times, 200 times, come into the presence of the Lord with singing. And God's great greatness, and not greatest, greatness. I told you I was tired. That was early this morning I made that PowerPoint. God's greatness is made known when we praise his name. Let the world know. I said, let the whole world know. When you're at work, let the world know. The whole world's crying and, and, and hanging up their hope and hanging up their harps. They don't have any joy. They don't have anything to sing about. They're depressed and deprived and feeling, you know, nobody cares for me. But how many of we are the church of the living God? We're the, live, we're the people of God. And singing breaks the chains of bondage. Paul and Silas, they were sitting in prison. They were sitting in prison. You think you got it rough. This was the dungeon of the dungeons. Chained. Their hands and their feet. Chained. Cold. Wet. Bottle glass, rats, bad things are going on. It's nothing good. We're not in the service with air condition and online in your comfortable house. Now, listen, if some of you are, are not vulnerable to the sickness or having anything, you need to get yourself back into church. Somebody say amen. Some of you might have got so comfortable at your house that you'd rather stay there and get it online. But we're going to cut this thing off as soon as things get better. And you'll have to come back to God's house. Somebody shout amen now. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. you got to get up out of that comfort zone and get yourself back to church where you can be with us. With us. We are. And there's something about being in the house of the Lord together. It's amazing how you can go to school together. You can go on vacation together. You can get in concerts and get everywhere, but you can't get to God's house. And so I'm seeing a whole lot of hypocrisy going on in the culture. Shout amen or owe me. Now, don't get ugly with me. I know if you're sick, you're sick. If you're vulnerable, you're vulnerable. Stay home. We don't want you to get sick. But if you're playing church, you need to get back. Thank you. Send your tithe. Now, just listen to me for just a little bit. Just listen to me. Because Satan can break the chain of bondage. We become routine. We can hang up our harp and never get back to church. I mean, no, sooner or later, we got to get back to praising the Lord. Sooner or later, we got to get back to what matters. Worship and praise matters with the people of God. 
If not, then what do we do this for anyway? If you can praise and worship at your house, we never needed the church. But there's never been a day where we needed to be together in the Lord's house than today. We need to be together. We need to sing together. We need to pray together. We need to praise together. We need to work together. We need to serve together. We need to love God together. Otherwise, the church doesn't exist. Everything the Israelites did, they did together. They all went to the, to the river together in Babylon. And they all hung up their harps together. Isn't that how we are? We follow the crowd, don't we? So brother, uh, brother Sad Face put his harp on the willow tree. And sister know-it-all, she said, well, if he's not going to sing, I'm not singing either. And one by one, they hung up their harps. The harp's just an instrument of worship. David knew what it was like. I mean, oh, David knew the weapon of praise. You listen, remember whenever he was working with Saul, King Saul? It was playing the harp that brought down the enemy's uh, attack on Saul's mind. You all remember that? It's praise and worship that will change the circumstance for you. And then when the enemy started chasing him, he got under a tree somewhere and kept the harp with him and kept on praising the Lord. No matter where he was, he was always praising the Lord. Never put down your harp. and Don't hang it up. Just keep on praising the Lord. Can somebody help me out here? Why is it so hard, Pastor? Well, some people hang up their heart because of suffering. I get that. I mean, there's been a lot of suffering lately. It's been tough. I've had losses. How many be honest? Say, Pastor, I've had losses. Let me see your hand. I've had losses. And guess what? You'll have more in the future. It's going to get ugly, folks. And so if we're shut down on a little or nothing, how many know it will it'll be bad? You can't even sing when bad times come. You'll be really bad off. That's the story of where we are in our text today. They're moved out of their homes. They lost all kind of losses. They're actually worshiping Baal, forced to worship Baal. Maybe y'all not getting this. Let me just put it in perspective today. If another country invaded us and took us captive, brought us to their country and made us worship an unknown God or a foreign God or a Baal or an idol, how demoralizing is that? And then made fun of you to say, huh, where's your Jesus now? Where's your Jesus now? How I many of the world in our culture is already doing that? They're already doing that. It's time for us to realize that no matter where we are, we can sing praises to God. They say, Pastor, it's just too hard. I'm going through suffering. Well, let me just tell you, in Babylon, in Babylon, in captivity, because young people say, well, Pastor Ron, you just understand. It's hard as a young person, peer pressure. We can't praise the Lord. It's just hard. There were three young men in Babylon that day. You remember those guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were teenagers too. And when they started playing the music and Nebuchadnezzar said, bow to the idol, big old idol of Nebuchadnezzar king. He said, bow or you will burn. All the people bowed. That's that general, generalization fallacy. Just following the crowd. How I many know you got to go against the current if you're going to praise the Lord in this day? I said, if you're going to live for God this day, you might be singled out, set apart from the rest of the crowd. Three little boys got up, and Nebuchadnezzar said, what's going on with those three? Have they didn't hear me or what? He said, no, sir. Oh, he said, go find out. So he went down to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, what's going on? King Nebuchadnezzar said, bow. I mean, oh, this world's trying to get us to bow to their idol. It's pressure on your mind. 
trying to demoralize you, trying to take your faith and your hope and your joy away to tell you that they have the answer. Can I tell you right now? Only Jesus has the answer for the condition of our world today. There's not enough money or wisdom or politics in this world to get us out of the shape we're in. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. So they went down and said, hey, King said, if you don't bow, when the music starts, you're going to burn. So we're not bowing. Well, come with us. Three, three little teenage boys. Teenagers. Teenagers. Three of them. Out of the whole, whole crowd. Marched them up to the king. Here they are, king. Nebuchadnezzar said, I'll give you one more chance. You must not have heard me. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you just uh, don't understand. But when I turn the music on, you bow. You see that furnace over there? I'm going to turn that thing up. If you don't, I'm going to turn it up seven times hotter. And the boys said in their purest Hebrew, talk to the hand because the ears are not listening. I had to throw that in for the teenagers, right? Even though that's about a decade old. I can't tell you what they're saying today. King said, throw them in. Oh, y'all don't remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar, right? And the three Hebrew boys. They got thrown into the fire, and, and when, when they opened up the furnace, one of the, the guards got burned alive. But those three boys went in, and they started dancing in the fire. You know why? That the king looked in and said, I threw, threw it, three in, but there's four men in the fire. I believe those boys went in singing, this is our God. In fact, before they went in, they said, hey, whether our God delivers us or not, we're still not going to bow to your idols. That is a determined generation of young people. And old people tell me too. They say, well, pastor, we'd worship, but you never sing our songs. And just, you just don't understand. We're tired. We did all that before. So, you know, it's just for the young people. I can't keep up with that. I don't even know the song. Well, there was a young man to help you too. Old man Daniel. I mean, no, he was in captivity too, but he didn't hang his harp. Is anybody hearing me? He didn't hang his harp. And King said, you're going to eat what I eat? You're going to drink what I drink? Daniel said, not on this, not on my watch. I only eat what my Yahweh God says that I will eat. And I won't drink what my Yahweh God says I will drink. I don't need the substance from this world. I don't need anything you have to offer me, King. You don't have what I need. My God has everything I need. And if I starve to death, I'm not going to eat your food. So Daniel goes in and God takes a step of faith, a direction toward God, and God said, he said, you're going to the lion's den, buddy. Some of you hearing this for the first time, you didn't get to go to Sunday school. Or you heard it so much, you just become demoralized by the story. How I many know oh, this is real? Real lions, hungry lions. These are not tamed zoo lions. It's not Madagascar. This is for real. He goes in there and falls asleep on the belly of the lion. Just like Jonah was in the belly of a whale. How many know God will protect you wherever you are? You take a step in the right direction. How many know God will take care of you? I believe Daniel was a worshiper. But he didn't let pressure come from the world to worship their way. He worshiped Yahweh. I said the Yahweh. Amen? And so sometimes they hang up their hearts because of suffering, loss, or grief. Can I tell you, no matter what, suffering follows after us because we're in a broken world filled with broken people. Bad things happen to good people. How many, how many learned that so far? Say, well, pastor, the pain is too much. Too tremendous. I just can't get my joy back. 
Well, you better find your joy. You better find it because because it was uh, to me. It was Nehemiah who said the joy of the Lord is my strength. You hang up your harp, you lose your strength. You you shut down your mouth and your praise. I mean, no life and death are in the power of your tongue. You got the power to just come back to life. A revival happens when you revive your mind to begin to believe what God said, not what the world's telling you to say. And the world's trying to trip us out. Pain has a tremendous tendency to block my ability to praise God. It's hard to praise God when you're tired. It's hard to praise God when you're busy. It's hard to praise God when you had a loss of some sort. But how many know you can praise the hurt away? You can praise your way through the most devastating things. That's when it becomes a sacrifice. That's why Hebrews called it a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes you don't feel like it. But thank God we don't deal with what we feel. Amen? We walk by faith and not by sight. We open our mouth because God deserves our praise, demands our praise, desires our praise. Not because we feel like it. That's good preaching, Pastor. Keep it up. I'm glad I got 30 more minutes. Another reason why it's hard to praise. Others, they hang up their their hearts because of abundance. Not only suffering, but abundance. When you get so much, you don't need to praise God. Suffering is when you have so much going against you that you can't find the strength to praise the Lord. But abundance is when you got so much going for you that you forget to praise the Lord. That's what happened to Israel. They forgot God. Hung up their harps. God left us here in captivity. He doesn't know where we are. Well, God knew where they were. He allowed them to be there. It was their sins, stiff-necked people. That's why Nebuchadnezzar looked back at Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh failed. He should have taken care of them. But he watched what God, Yahweh, their invisible God, did to Egypt. God destroyed Egypt. They captivated the people of God for 400 years. But how many know God set them all free? And the way he did that, he was he annihilated Pharaoh and his kingdom and his throne and all the enemy that was behind him. He took care of their crops. He took care of their water. He took care of every sustenance that they had. God wiped it out. And when the enemy came behind them, Moses was in front of them. They got to the Red Sea. God said, uh, watch and see what I can do. Stand and see the salvation of God. Looks like you have no hope. Time to throw in the harp. Remember that? Remember that? On this side of the Red Sea, they were given up. But on the other side, y'all don't need to make me preach. I will preach without y'all today. On this side, they were ready to hang up their harps. But on the other side, Miriam grabbed the tambourine and started praising the Lord again. (laughs) I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. What they should have done, they should have been singing that on that side. But they waited to the other side. Are y'all hearing me today? But it's hard to praise the Lord. I get it. No resources, right? The enemy's behind you, coming down, pressing on your neck, trying to demoralize you. We'll drown all of you in the ocean. Now ah, you're trapped. Now you're trapped. I mean, no, the enemy loves to use entrapment. To demoralize you, desensitize you. You're never going to get out of this. You're never going to make it. You'll always be in trouble. But God had a leader that said, we're going to get through this. And he led the people of God. You remember when they were in battle down in the valley? Moses was leading. And Joshua was leading the battle. Where was Moses? 
Oh, he was on the mountain praising the Lord. Say, how do you know, Pastor? Because both his arms were lifted. How many ever learned how to praise the Lord? Lift both your hands and praise the Lord right now. Come on, everybody. Lift both your hands and praise the Lord right now. Praise is powerful. He was on the rock praising the Lord. But even the man of God, even the worshiper, even the praiser got weary. And when the praiser's weary hands got down, the battle began to be defeated. You understand? They began to be defeated. Remember that? But two guys, Aaron and her, they looked up and made a correlation between what was happening up on the mountain and what was happening down in the valley. How I many know oh, it's spiritual warfare and praise is the weapon to overcome? And when your neighbor, your brother, your sister starts getting weary, you need to go and raise their hands to the Lord. That's what I'm trying to do today is to help you old grow. Never hang up your harp. Never let down your hands. Never stop singing and praising the Lord no matter how it looks. I guess Joshua thought they were winning. We don't need him anymore. I mean, no, you need somebody interceding for you all the time. And how I many know we have a precious Holy Spirit? And how many know we have Jesus who is ever making intercession for you and for me? He is seated at the right hand of the majesty. Oh, this is good stuff. I said he's seated at the right hand of the majesty and he's praying for you. You cannot lose. I said you cannot fail if you'll keep on praising the Lord. Praising the name of the Lord. So sometimes we get comfortable. And when you have it all, we tend to neglect praise. Forget God. Almost make ourselves God as if we did it all ourselves. How I many know we didn't do none of this? Here's what I, as a pastor, had to come to grips with. I didn't cause COVID and I can't stop COVID. But I, but I know that God is bigger than any problem I can face. Amen. Amen. I can only do what I can do. And I have to trust God to do everything he can do. So I'm not going to go a little Jack Horner, sit in the corner Stick my thumb in a pie and cry. I'm going to lift my eyes toward the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. I can't fix everybody's problem. I can't do everything to help fix the problem in America. If, if, if education could work, it would have already fixed it. If politicians could work, it would have already made it work. If money could have bought it, we'd be in good shape. But how do you know unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain that build it? Your education's not going to get it. And I know uneducated people who lift up a song to the Lord and the glory of God would come down. Never had a day of Bible college in their life. And I'm pro-education. I'm pro-education. How many know you need more than education? You need the spirit of the Lord. You need the presence of God. And when you sing, when you lift up his name, the Lord comes and he just delivers, delivers us. Can I just tell you today, never dethrone God and try to take his seat. I don't care how blessed you are. You can get so abundantly blessed, you forget God. I think that's what we did in America. God blessed America so much. You know what? So much we hung up our harps. And Josiah, you know what happens when you hang up your harp? You take prayer out of school. That's what happens. That's what happens when you hang up your harp. You take take the Constitution and everything we stand for out of the Congress. Are y'all hearing me? You hang up your harp. You praise. Your praises cease. Then you leave room for the enemy to, to bring in his teachings and his idols. And you start worshiping and sitting there in captivity and wondering how you got there. Because they hung up the harps. They should have kept on singing the songs of Zion. 
I have a beautiful illustration I would give you. Uh, it's a, it's about a lady named, uh, Catherine. Uh, powerful story. Uh, it was in Christianity Today. It tells about a great great grandmother to the eighth great Catherine DuBose. Uh, not DuBose, DuBois, not Rick DuBose's grandmother is DuBois. Anyway, and her infant daughter Sarah, for 10 weeks, they were held in mountains. This is back in uh, 1600s. Ten weeks they were held in the mountains while search parties looked for them in vain. Feeling confident they would escape, the Indians decided to celebrate their success by burning Catherine and Sarah, her little baby, at stake. When the Indians lit the torch to ignite the logs, all Catherine's descendants were about to be annihilated with her. And one one writer notes that the a most human response at that moment would have been for Catherine to scream at her tormentors, curse them for her suffering. But instead, she burst into a song, turning uh, the forest into a th- the cathedral of praise with a Huguenot hymn. It's a hymn back in the day she had learned in France. And these words from Psalm 137, it was this song. And the, and the Indians, of course, had asked for uh, her to sing it again. They never heard a song. <laughs> so instead of putting, she was already, the, the logs were there. She was already there. Her infant was on the logs, ready to set it on fire with the torch. And she started singing praises to God. And they said, we'll sing another one. We've never heard that. She sang another one. All the while, her husband and the search party was coming to find her in the forest. And the louder Catherine would sing, the more her husband and the search party team would hear her singing. And the more she would sing, the more the Indians wanted to hear another song. She kept on singing until her her husband and that team came and got her out of that. I mean, oh, the singing of the Lord, the praises of the Lord helped her get out of death itself. Never stopped singing. And she just so happened to be singing. Psalm 137. There's power in praise. There's power. The Lord hasn't left you in captivity. I mean, it's not God's will to keep you in captivity. Even if he takes you there, it's only temporary. I said, somebody shout temporary. You got to be living in a dichotomy of two worlds. You have to be, you have to be 3D, actually 2D. 2D. You're, you're here and you also are connected there. Praise is the connecting tissue to get you to heaven. Does anybody believe we have access to God through praise? In the name of Jesus, we have access to God. She was singing the songs of Zion. And her husband, Luis, and the search party busted through the scene, rescued her and her baby. (laughs) Catherine, she learned the absolute and necessary thing, the ingredient to winning on the, uh, uh, the victory when you're in the middle of a battle. And I'm telling you today, that's the victory. We have this same victory in Christ Jesus. Don't ever get so complacent. Never, never, never dethrone God. Never lay at ease in the blessing. Keep on praising the Lord. And never forget God. God brought you out. How many are glad God brought you out? And so, let me give you the last one because it's going to take us some more time. We want to come and praise the Lord. We're going to come and praise the Lord. I'm going to shut down. The third one is that uh, sometimes suffering makes it hard to praise. Sometimes abundance makes it hard to praise. But the last one is a lot of things we often face. It's the mundane. The mundane things that help us to stop praising. We just get in a rhythm of, of mundane. 
a rhythm of uh, between the suffering and the blessing. We're not quite there, and we're, we've come out of something, but we're not into the next blessing, and we just get there, and we just get in a rhythm, kind of the comfort zone. You all know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. We may even be there today. I said we may even be there today. I don't even know what your problem is, whether you're going through suffering and the devil has shut you down, or whether you're so blessed and abundant that you don't have a need to praise. Or maybe you're right here, and the enemy's just trying to steal your praise. Saying, hang up your harps. It's that place. It's that place. I mean, we need to find another place, a secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He will say unto the Lord, he is my rock, my refuge, my fortress, and him will I trust. I mean, you got to get in that place, in that tower. you got to run to the tower and get into the place, a refuge, a city of refuge. Find Jesus. Whatever you have to do, find Jesus. And if it's an old hymn, pull it out. If it's a new song, pull it out. How many know if it's no song, you need to take your harp off of that tree and begin to play that thing again? You don't have to play it in front of people. You don't have to keep you away from people. You just need to keep on singing to the Lord. Keep on singing. I know Miss Carol has testimony when she lost her first husband. Seven years. Seven years. It's hard. We asked her several times, Miss Carol, how'd you do it? Pastor, praise and worship. I'd put on praise and worship. And you can talk to Cheryl Chrisman. She's watching online right now. Cheryl, we're praying for you, baby. How many know God is the one who can take us through? Cheryl said, Pastor, I listened to the word of God all night long. I listened to the word of God all night long, and I kept my harp, and I just kept on singing to the Lord. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. That's all you got to do. We have one job to do, and that's why Satan, who knows worship, I don't think y'all understand. Let me quickly get you through this. Satan's goal is to discourage you. When conditions change, Satan says, hang up your harp. He knows more about worship and the power of worship than anybody else. He was the one who led worship. He's the one. He knows the power of worship. Praise and worship builds a bridge from earth to heaven and connects you to God. Never allow your identity to be defined by your circumstances. You are a child of the living God. Sometimes you just got to say it. And sometimes you got to sing it. You know, a lot of times we learn through our singing. How many know your ABCs? I hope you do. I said, I hope you do. Help me out. A, B. My God, I got a dysfunctional bunch. Let's try that again. If you're at home, got to help them, okay? They're just slow. A, B. That's enough. How did you learn that? You don't teach a child. A, say A. I'm going to work on A, 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 A. Okay, now we're going to learn B. B, 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 B. No, we put it into a tune. And we sing it, baby. And they go, they don't even know, but they're learning. They're listening to the song. They're listening to the tune. They're getting it in their spirit. There's something happy about it. There's something good about it. I will rejoice in the Lord at all times. That's why we sing. They're just singing praises to the Lord. Miriam was just singing, right? What happened? She just was singing what happened, right? I was singing to the Lord for he just glorified himself. The horsemen riders are thrown into the sea, right? 
It's a great song. Some of you don't know it. You need to find it. Go Google it. Sing. Sing. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Sing. We teach our children through singing. I learned the books of the Bible. Your pastor learned the books of the Bible through singing. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts and Romans and Corinthians. Corinthians. Y'all don't know it. See, God bless all of you. I'm done today. I'm done. You know how many people of God do not know the books of the Bible? Been in church for over a decade. And I can teach you, if you'll stay after church, five minutes you'll know the books of the Bible. Why? We put it to a song. And Satan knows the power of worship. He knows the power and authority of singing. And God knows it. And he's tried to he's tried to usurp authority over God. He knows the power of God's people worshiping God. So he does one thing. He he demoralizes God's people. Don't let them sing. Satan told all the demons and the imps, do anything, but don't let them pray and don't let them sing worship. How many of you had to find worship place to get through the day? How many had to find worship and praise to get through the day? There you go. Yeah. It shouldn't be just a, a go-to tool that gets us through the day. How many know it ought to be an automatic thing that flows through our spirit all the time? I'm sure John on the Isle of Patmos was singing all the time. I know Paul and Silas was. And you remember what happened? Broke the chains. The jailhouse shook and broke all the chains. Let not only Paul and Silas go, but it let all the other prisoners go. If you will keep singing, take your harp out of the tree and begin to praise and worship a God, I think everybody will hear what the Lord has done in your life. And they will begin to praise the Lord too. It might be an attraction instead of a distraction. So pick up your harp. Some people hang their harp up in church parking lot. Pick it up on Sunday when they come in and drop it back off next week. Maybe there's no praise because there's no, there's no pain. Somewhere, somewhere between diaper changes, school pickup, dinner, lunch, breakfast, praise fades away and God appears small again. It's in suffering that praise is stripped away. It's in abundance that praise is forgotten. But it's blurred in the mundane. Doesn't seem so severe. It's blurred. Pastor Chrissy and Taylor and your team, you want to come back? Where are you in your praise? How are you doing in the praise area? Well, if it has to be measured by audible praise, you're on the low, low end of your scale corporately. Barely can hear you. So, Pastor, just not my emotional thing. Oh, yeah? Okay, it's not about your emotions. It's about his desire to hear you. It's about the person next to you needs to be encouraged by your praise. You know how I learned to pray? By listening to other people pray. I heard my friend uh, from Chicago pray, Spencer Jones. He's a praying machine. He's a praying machine. He walks up and down the altar and prays. Man, his mouth is filled with a vocabulary of praise. Praise and prayer. You know what extends my prayer time? My praise. My praise extends my prayer time. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? See, well, Pastor, I prayed for everything. How many go to your prayer closet and in five minutes you prayed for the whole wide world? Of course. But if you want to learn how to pray longer, you have to incorporate praise. It's part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who, is, who art in heaven, holy is your name. There's praise right there. It starts with praise. It actually ends with praise. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
It starts with praise and it ends with praise. That's what prayer does. It starts with praise and it ends with praise. And it doesn't matter. It seemed to me if you're suffering today, listen to pastor. I really want to help you in this altar. If you're suffering at home, if you're suffering here, come to the altar and praise your way through. Let praise be the instrument, the weapon, the sword. Let high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. That's how you conquer. That's how you overcome. That's how you get the victory. If, if you're just blessed, so blessed, you don't need God. Listen, you need to be reminded that you need God all the time. All the time. Never neglect praise and worship. That's you. You could come and reignite a praise on your lips. Bring a sacrifice of praise if you have to. And finally, the mundane. Maybe you're blurry. You hang up, uh, hang in there long enough to praise, and then you hang up your harp and go out Saturday night, and then you walk in church Sunday morning, grab your harp again. Hi, Pastor, let's worship. I mean, oh, that's hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. The question is. Do you love the Lord? If you love the Lord, would you stand to your feet right now? All over this building, if you love the Lord, stand to your feet. This is the day the Lord has been.